Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today we're actually at Massive's office in Malmo. Thank you very much, Matt, for hosting us. Um, today the topic is going to be called Frame by Frame Inside Game Animation. So we've got three amazing animation directors to talk through pretty much everything around animation in the gaming industry. So before we crack on, I'm going to let you all introduce yourselves. Um, Zolt, do you want to go first? No, okay. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello, My name's uh, Zolt. I'm animation director at uh, IO Interactive. Um, was it massive for some time, uh, quite a long um, career before that. Um, started started working in, in kind of double A uh, game production, um, not actually as an animator, believe it or not, uh, as a storyboard artist, and then worked my way up uh, doing many different things and eventually specializing in animation. Um, and that brought me to Sweden about seven years ago. And from Massive, now to IO and to you. Amazing. Nice. Uh, Matt, animation director at Massive, currently working on the Star Wars Outlaws. Uh, been in the animation industry for 23 years partly because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I did some multimedia animation, double uh, A, triple A, worked in England, Canada, and now Sweden. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so my name is Martin, uh, animation director at Shockmob here as well. Also former massive employee <laughs> back in the days, been working at Avalanche as well. Um, yeah, I didn't start off as an animator either. I started off as a level designer, level artist, kind of. Mm. Um, on a, I don't know how many A's that uh, studio had by there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, uh, yeah, working at, uh, started working at Massive, then later Avalanche, and now I'm at uh, Sharkmob. Fantastic. Yeah, well, we're going to have a general conversation about animation, and uh, I'm sure we'll get some interesting discussion and topics from you. But uh, to kick us off, why don't we go with, how each of you started in the industry? How did you get into animation? Mm. For me, I did a uh, stop motion degree, um, aiming uh, because I'm from Bristol and Ardman, and I thought mm -hmm. stop motion, it's amazing. Um, and I did that, but that was like, really, I'm older than you. <laughs> so that was with a uh, film, Bolex camera, and um, yeah, very painful, no computers involved whatsoever. Uh, came out of that and didn't really know what I wanted to do, kind of got a Mac job, um, a Mac job at BT, which isn't really a Mac <laughs> job, but you know what I mean. And I think six months down the line, I was like, oh, you know what, I should really start a career. And um, just about that time, like literally the lunch of that day, I made that decision. <laughs> uh, we got a local magazine and it, and it had an advert for a new startup company, Pivotal Games, it was in Bath, and they were looking for character artists, believe it or not. And I just thought I'd give it a punt, even though it's nothing to do with what I was doing. Um, and I arrived at the interview, was very honest, said I hadn't done any computer anim animation or art or whatever whatsoever, but I kind of knew it was about prims and stuff like that. And gave them a few of my models to play with mm -hmm. from my stop motion film. Um, they enjoyed obviously playing with my dolls. <laughs> uh, now, I was really fortunate there was a startup, so they kind of just needed someone uh, who was passionate and willing. Um, and that was my first break in the games industry. And I, I kind of did storyboards and stuff like that because of my background. Um, art, all various generalist roles, and then gradually kind of refound my passion for animation and kind of specialized in that. 
And from then it's just been hopefully uh, a nice, successful onwards career. What was the question? <laughs> 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 Too long an answer. <laughs> Sorry. How, how you got into animation, Matt? Uh, I got into animation uh, by taking a course in it. Uh, I started in industrial design yeah. for a couple of years, and then after a couple of years, decided it wasn't for me. So I switched to an animation course, which I didn't even know existed in the UK at the time. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened there was one 30 miles away <laughs> in Scotland. There was only two, <laughs> there was, and one of them was in Dundee. So uh, I studied there, tried a little bit of everything, the 2D stop motion, mm -hmm. super difficult. Yeah, it is. Uh, and 3D as well, which was soft to manage back then. Uh, and it took a day to render one frame, which was fun. Uh, but my passion was in 3D and computers. Uh, always been a fan of technology. So I uh, graduated in 2000 and then got my first job in the multimedia industry. And the rest is history. Very proud history. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Martin? And me, yeah. Um, well, also, I guess I had an interest in uh, uh, 3D graphics in the, mm -hmm. in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, but there wasn't really any courses around. So I'm pretty much self-taught. Thought. And then, then I, they were, I actually, I, I uh, did a course um about nine months course or so then they teach everything about, about everything and it wasn't the best course around but i met a lot of people there mm. and then during that course i actually i started to play around with animation i hadn't really done it before all right yeah stuff like really uh hit me good i mean i really liked it um so there on i got my first job a few years later uh, as a level artist i guess level designer level mm. artist for that's what he needed mm -hmm. and a small company with like five people when i started but later on the animator left and <laughs> yeah, <it> was. <laughs> got a new power into animating in uh soft marsh back then yeah that's nice. nice well we're going to talk about there's a couple of different things you know we can talk through um i suppose one of the things could be around the challenges that you face as animation directors at the minute your current challenges because obviously you've started that's a little bit as how you started how you got into the role mm -hmm. you've all made it up to animation directors at you know some very big companies mm -hmm. now so what are some particular challenges that you guys face on a, a daily basis not enough penguins <laughs> <laughs> It's your only <laughs> challenge. It's your only challenge. I don't know. You gotta go first then. You went in with the penguins. Come on. Uh, what else? What are the biggest challenges in our roles? Yeah, your day to day, or you know, all that you faced in you know your your career since you made it into that that step up to animation director. Mm. Then uh, the biggest challenge is leading up to becoming animation director. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, from what I understand, so I'm buzzing. I'm <laughs> Red Bulls kicked in. Um, <clears throat> it's a good question. Uh, dealing with and managing such a huge team uh, across multiple studios and uh, continents and countries uh, mm -hmm. that is challenging. You know, communication in general can be tough at times. Let alone when there's hundreds of people around the world. All working on the same thing so i think that was a challenge especially um moving into the director role when your responsibility grows and you have all these people needing feedback from you in a mm -hmm. timely manner input direction um, so yeah that's the first one that came to mind at least 
Yeah. I was going to say, but it's a direction docs are pretty good. You've got that yeah. down. That that helps in the communication. Yeah. yeah so like it's like kind of stealing all your ideas <laughs> now. That's like, uh, like kind of style guides, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, reference videos, editing stuff together. So it's a communication tool. Yes. So regardless of who watches it, they get what they need visually from it, as opposed to me standing there going, no, maybe you should do this or do that. Watch this. This is the reference. So you know that you've sort of pre-recorded and made to have available for the team to take at any point. Yeah, well, like, yeah. So like the, there's two kind of examples that come to mind. One is taking clips from movies on movement reference, mm -hmm. and, you know, certain energies of, of people um, that create like an enemy faction in, in the division. This is how this faction behaves and works. They're very energetic. You know, this is how they would jump a wall. This is how they would run weapon handling. You know, they're not super trained. They, they use them more loosely, that kind of thing in a video, all from TV and, and films. And then on the other side of that, there's one I remember us doing out in the car park. There was me, Martin and the animators all like approaching the door, pretending to hold weapons on like how the, uh, the NPCs and the characters would behave. Mm -hmm. coming into the, where we need to break through into this uh, this building, let's say. So that was good reference. So it comes from different forms, but yeah. visual reference is very good. I think the challenge in that is that we have so many stakeholders. I mean, yes. you can have, yes, the animators have this great reference, <clears throat> but then you have the game design team that wants, they need to behave in a certain way, you need to move in a certain mm -hmm. way, and have all the limitations mm -hmm. or whatever. And then they have the character department, and we need to look this way. I mean, everybody needs to to work together and that's mm -hmm. I think that's a tricky part to get you can have a clear vision but then you have so many stakeholders so many dependencies a lot of departments did maybe follow that vision as well everybody need to have the same mm -hmm. mission I think that uh, can be a problem or at least a challenge yeah, yeah big time. the top of that is uh, like a mocap session because uh, as a director we do I mean at least we, if you use mocap yeah. you have a mocap artist a stunt person or something yeah. if you don't yeah yeah if you want specific movement yeah. you have to find the right actor or make, at least make sure um, to get what you want from the market shooter as well so it's there's a lot of layers of stuff that needs to be, be right and uh, so sometimes you find your way i mean you have a vision they go to mocap studio and they have a great yeah great yeah. mocap back yeah, yeah. some super cool stuff and you go i just need a bit yeah 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 change all the time not yeah. all the time hopefully <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like uh that's a that's a huge one. Having like we have our visions, and you know, and we're always right. Always <laughs> right. So it's easy, yeah, great. Yeah. But like, especially in games, it's the what we should at mocap is like that looks great. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. You get it in game, and in game it doesn't quite work. We need to tweak poses, tweak mm. timing of stuff because gameplay is very timing specific. Something that looks great. You play it, oh, that feels really slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and it's getting back to working with other disciplines and, and teams. We're all working on the same thing and it all needs to be player experience forward. That's the key. And it's tweaking of all these assets and working with other teams. It's, it is challenging, but it's, it's all part of the, the art and craft that, that we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've got to add is like, I, I agree, it's the communication. But I think the layers of that is how you bring people in. 
to collaborate also your team as well because one part is like you being a dictator and saying do it like this but you kind of actually want it to be partly a democracy as well like they're behind the vision they don't just Absolutely. understand it yeah. they buy into it Ooh. and part of that is obviously going to be your interpersonal how you do it how well you communicate but it's also being open to listen to change to grow and you know and, I, and, and I'd say that's with other director groups and other crafts and stuff as well because I think it's it's quite strange that you have to be incredibly confident of your decisions because otherwise people don't have faith in what you're doing but you have to have that kind of bamboo thing of like always mm -hmm. listening and being ready to pivot yeah. not because imposter syndrome or stuff like that but you know what you, you might be wrong once or twice yeah you know and and the more you can engage everybody with that then the better the end you know product the yeah. end the yeah, end goal and, and then everyone's happy about it as well you know because yeah. i i say to my team as well like you might not always agree with me but every single one of you would set a complete you know a different style you'd make a different game let's just recognize that you know we're not robots and stuff like that but it's super cool when you can convince either a director or a team member of something they were skeptical of and then they see it the end result and they're like actually that was that was great and you're like yeah, yeah i know no. yeah <laughs> that? And, and a good idea can come from from anywhere right yeah, absolutely. and you know to be you have to be humble enough and open like you mm. said to to recognize a good idea just because we're directors doesn't mean we know everything i mean i have imposter syndrome <laughs> so uh uh, the team constantly come up with good ideas yeah. and it's great mm. because then they they're coming up with a great idea that I never saw and they believe in it and I believe in them believing in it so it's like great go for yeah, it and it makes the game yeah, better yeah, yeah. And you can't keep I mean working with juice games like the yeah, mission of song also what a game you work on I don't know yeah you can't be everywhere you can't take all the decisions then you need to trust your team and then the team yeah. is going to make the right decisions yeah. Just as long as you're there, overview and making sure they're going in the right direction and you know leading them. That's yeah, you're the, you're the ship, right? Yeah. yeah. You must be able to create an environment of culture where people feel you know they can come and say, hey, listen, I've got this idea. Can we go in this this way though? Like that. And that you have to work on that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's not just something that's overnight. You just come in, step into the role as a new animation director, and suddenly everybody feels like they can go and do that. So that's a a process over time. Of yeah. Culture. And and individual people you know some people will be really forthcoming and 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 i think this i'm very mindful with myself as well because i can be quite overbearing is that like sometimes you need to just um not you be be mindful of how many times you maybe shoot something down or say no you know and i'm trying to look always behind like even if i don't my initial reaction is eh. mm. If someone's really passionate about it, I actually think, you know, sometimes I might let you go down there because yep. you you will either prove me wrong, but also I've given you that space mm. to to explore that. And again, I think that going back to the time, I think that's the difficulty, you know, because you want everyone to be efficient, happy, doing the right thing. But it also means that sometimes you just got to, you know, be free with them yeah. a little bit, you know. And, uh, and understanding why they're passionate about something. Yeah might be like oh i see you know what you're right that's great or understanding it and you know from from our level countering it with reasoning on i understand 
why you're passionate in this, but this is why it might not work in this context yeah, or yeah. in our game, mm-hmm. then they understand. And if they understand, they might come up with another idea mm. within that context. So then it's like, okay, great. Because mm. then ultimately, further down the road, the more they understand and we understand of them, uh, they, they'll be tuned into, they'll show like me something, I'm like, that's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> zero, zero feedback. Yeah. You just made my life easier, you know? Because they know exactly what the game needs and what I'm looking for for the game. So the ultimate goal of management to just like walk in. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And not yeah, pedal. My, not touch it. I just put my feet up on my desk all day. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually something I was struggling struggling with. Uh for a few years like because I used to be I'm still kind of hands-on, but I used to be a, I used to be a lead mm-hmm. and was very much mm-hmm. hands-on. And I, I've done a few games now. So working with a new team, it's easy to, oh, you should do like this, you should do that. I mean, to start to telling people how they should do it, yeah. just to make sure they go in the right path. But I, you know, I, I took a step back now and at least let them take the first step and see what they, where they're going. And Absolutely. then you can always, okay, maybe you can help them out a bit to steer them. I definitely had that when I first became a lead, early, yeah. because normally when you, the promotion thing, it's weird. When you get into management, you're not necessarily qualified for management. Mm. What you're qualified at is normally, oh, I got really good at my craft. Yeah. And then someone goes, right, you should do something completely different. <laughs> and it's quite hard to to let go of that. And yeah. I know that when I became a lead, I was still like, I felt I was good at producing animation. So I'd still try and do it. And then I would also take animations off people if it wasn't quite working. Mm. And that's just poisonous, yeah. you know? And I know I, I reflected afterwards, like it wasn't a happy ship. I wasn't happy. I was working way too hard and I knew my team mm-hmm. wasn't happy. And that was like a reflection for myself where I had to decide like, are you are you gonna give this up and go back to production? Or are you gonna try and concentrate on managing people and supporting them better? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to make that purposeful switch talk a little bit more how did you do that you know like once you took that realization okay this is not the right fit or the right culture and you're making that decision how do you go about and work on yourself to to be that better Ah, manager yeah i had a couple of secret ones the first one was that i kind of went right i'm only ever going to give someone three rounds of feedback and then i'm just going to accept it so i have to get better at feedback i didn't tell anyone that but i was like because one of the things of like it's not right it's not right it's not right and you're pushing and that's you know what a month later you look at it and you'd be like actually why was i it's fine it's great yeah (laughs) why was i doing it but you're so consumed with that kind of perfection thing or trying to achieve it that you yeah you make people miserable so i had to i had that internal and it took i I wouldn't say it was like a light switch and became better it was also like a process it's over years you Mm -hmm. know the, the trouble is is like going back to one of the challenges is that when you are producing and you're on a deadline and you have your aspirations and you get there you can't help it. You you start to meddle more and and to be more directly involved, you know. So it took me several titles to be able to step back more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's still a work in progress, you know. I'm sure if you chat to people I work with, they'll be like they'll be mixed bag of like how meddling I am and stuff like that. But I I I think I just really focused on trying to to make that environment for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as I said, going back, like sometimes just recognizing if they're passionate and they're into it. If they go, ta-da, animation, you go, yes, it's great, you know, because you can see the smile on your face on their face and you don't want to kick a puppy or anything like that. You know, no, but it's serious because that motivation, that person who achieved something made you smile, made you sign it off. 
mm-hmm. even if it wasn't perfect for you, will do ten times better work afterwards. You know, um, I don't know. investment, investment for the people. Yeah, yeah. everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, just asking questions has huge value yeah. to to the team members. To the team members, yeah. So <clears throat> rather than saying this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Asking them questions like, how do you feel about this? Or mm. if you act it out now, what what leg would you fall back on? Or like, how would you po- think of about your posing yeah. here? So they come up with the answers. So you're not yeah. giving them straight away. Because then if you say, pose the arm up here yeah. or a bit to the side, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, okay, great. But they won't. They're doing it because you told them to do it. Yeah. Not because they understand why. Them as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you absolutely. want them to, to understand what they're doing. Uh, by asking them questions and they're like yeah now i get it and you'll get better results because of it is the balance with that like you know in strenuous times when you're under pressure with time obviously doing that type of stuff takes more time you know you're teaching a person how to do something rather than telling them and they do it is that ever a balance where it's like a negative you know because things are taking too long or select all tasks ship it (laughs) (laughs) done that's a good question um i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking on the other side of it when you when no, but it, so it, it is true when yeah. a big title deadline is approaching, yeah, you're you're all becoming more uh, you become more direct. Yeah, in that yeah, you do, and uh, I think you should as well. You need to. Yeah, is that not I, your role in a sense, like, or as a, the director, to make sure that it does get across the line? At, le- well, at least make the folks on the right things. Make sure that they are not working on something that might not. Be seen by anyone. We make sure, yeah, yeah. priorities and make sure they're working on the right stuff. I think that's more important. Uh, yeah, basically. No, definitely. And you like, don't forget, you, you know, you you're receiving maybe minute feedback from other departments mm. as well, which are like, can you move the arm up and stuff yeah. like that. So it's you're 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 shielding that a little bit. Um, I think you can't help but do that. But I also think like your last point with the priorities, is that really the fact? I think that's the biggest help you can give. Oh, I've, I've been aware of now, like going into sort of those crunch periods, it's just making sure the focus is in the right place. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, given enough time, you can go back and worry about that little finger position. But right now, maybe not. And that that can maybe help the team and help yourselves a little bit. Yeah. Certainly for me, not to be too down in the trenches. Right, the other thing you think she said as well, that's kind of interesting when the people here get feedback from other departments yeah how to handle that how to handle that if you, you always say it can be other directors could uh, people working great have stuff, feedback great stuff goes down bad stuff stays <laughs> i mean i mean you can get, i mean if you hear the if the, the animators hear directly from other people now, oh that kind of look weird and this look can you change that and do you have that stuff yeah yeah <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it. No, no. it's not great. No. It, it's not great for them. Because but, uh, they're, they're sorry. Conflicting feedback it could be. It, I don't, I don't mind mean feedback from other people, depending on, but I, I guess depending on the uh, level. And if, it, if it's like Bruce, the director at feedbacking, it's, ooh, they should be careful. If it's not, another, if it's like a level artist at feedback or something. It's always, depending on the feedback. I think people have to respect the roles there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would be disappointed if a director of another craft gave specific feedback to an animator on the team or even a lead um i wouldn't want that you know i I think you collaborate and 
share opinions and absolutely and we all should be able to say we like or don't like something and it doesn't offend us <clears throat> but i i really believe that like yeah we director groups should disagree in private mm. yeah and not in public yeah and we have to be mindful of not having a real rigid hierarchy you know i think you always got to have forums for people exchanging but yeah i'd be I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't like it if other directors told my leads or my team what to do. I'd rather they have a discussion with me. Yeah, and part of our roles are to uh, filter that and maintain it. <laughs> mm. So, you know, our teams aren't getting confused and getting different feedback. Yeah. Uh, because like one day they're moving the arm this way, and the next day they're moving the arm that way. Yeah. You know, it's up to us to try and filter that where we can mm -hmm. to say, keep doing what you're doing or that is a good idea but you know that should come through me before going through you because i am i've tried to be a guardian of uh, information at least i like a filter uh, of of everyone has an opinion of course is because it, it's mm -hmm. a visual yeah. asset. um but filtering that to maintain workload on the team Ooh. because if input comes from everywhere it's the hundred one tasks. Yeah, but usually the intentions are good, mate. Yeah, get well, people coming at totally. feedback in. But yeah, they have to. Uh, I totally. Agree. I do. I think you set up the people. I mean, make yeah. it clear to the team that they. No, I'm sure. trying to for people to have feedback, but yeah. Yeah, and it goes the other way. Like if, like we can have feedback on another department, mm. but we go through the other director. Yeah, yeah. you know, Dang. because that's the route. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it's up to them to filter what we say or others say for that department. How often does that collaboration happen from like the director level, you know, within different departments? Is it a daily occurrence, like working on things or? Regular, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. 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 It has to be. Yeah. yeah. And if it's a new, like a new director coming into the company or you've just stepped into the animation director position, is there like a lot of relationship building within the company of these other directors and like a lot of elements of trust like you say that you don't go to a team directly because you've been working with you know you know people on that team for the last five years you a new directors there so you go and trust them and speak with them so take it there's a lot of that type of relationship building within that level of the company as well yeah but also understanding what's in their their mind you know mm. creative director narrative director whoever Ooh. you know in the same way you're trying to uh come up with your vision and communicate it, you know, you're needing to understand what everyone else is doing. So I think it's it's not just relationship building as in friends and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. how can we and really understand what your goals are and where your mm -hmm. priorities are? Um, and I, I don't think that's a hard process, but I also think it's something that is continuous. That's interesting. Throughout the process. It's not like you have a, right, let's have a leadership alignment meeting and then you never meet again until the end or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. But so I do you have a visualization of what the another department's goals are then? Sometimes, but I think mostly for, for me, it's mostly discussion. And those discussions actually come from the things, the feedback or the challenges. Mm. Uh, what are you doing with this? Da, 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 da. Well, I was thinking this. So they they challenge, you challenge back. And that conversation actually enables you to go like, oh, right. No, now I get why you're saying this or what you want us to try and achieve. Mm -hmm um for me yeah i mean it's it's key for us to work with other directors uh because everything 
it's part of the same game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to do a cartoony style for uh, Division 2. It's like, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> so, uh, like, narratively, for, like, uh, a main character, that narrative, that background for that character plays into how we direct yeah. them on set and, you know, how much energy they have, their personality. That comes from narrative. And we create the movement style for that character, you know, mm -hmm. and any character traits that might come out of it. And we need that basis to do our job. And then uh, similar for environments, how would they interact with the environment? We need mm. to speak to level artists of what they're planning for this room. And, you know, so it's constant collaboration and communication yeah. throughout because things tend to change and you need to, you know, evolve with it. Um, but yeah, from, from the get go, from the start of a project, for me at least, I'm trying to get as much information from all the other directors as possible. Yeah. To, and then feeding my direction back to them so we're all aligned mm -hmm. and that comes back to like reference videos and all that yeah. kind of stuff you know? yeah it comes back yeah it comes back what we said before that if you have a faction yeah the narrative usually stop with the narrative or maybe the game design team mm -hmm. so we want a faction that do this and okay narrative comes up with a faction that mm -hmm. do that and they have then you have the concept art this is how you're going to look okay this is how you're going to move and a trigger thing is when things change <laughs> yeah that yeah. they do right then yeah yeah and then they need to communicate that but okay no this made a twist and... but when that happens you need to also need to own it as well this is why i think the discussion is so important is that like we'll challenge disagree mud wrestle pit someone will win but after that you're 100 percent on board with that decision even if it's not you know and i think that goes all the way around and this is this goes back to the why have your communication and feedback in the right circles because you know you but you want to apply that filter but you also want to be there going like yeah cool we changed the faction because of this yeah. and that and it's a great decision yeah. and, mm -hmm. and not being fake about it you know yeah you stand behind it you stand behind it yeah 100 percent. you know because as i said we'd all make slightly different versions of the same game mm -hmm. you know Nice. Um, I want to change the direction slightly because I thought this would be a really interesting sort of topic for you guys to talk on, for people to listen to. So it's a little bit around um, the tech stack that you use. Are there any particular tools or so softwares that have revolutionized the craft itself? So from since you guys have, you said you started in the industry from when, um, you know, you first got into companies and now you're to where you are. Talk a little bit around the softwares that have changed or the tech that have changed in animation and then maybe lead us on into what it's going towards. What do you think the future will look like a little bit in animation as well? Cheers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kinematic. It's a big yeah. What's changed the last 10 years, honestly? Dame machines. I'm going to come in straight. <laughs> yeah, in yes, that. that's true. The editors are much more user friendly these days yeah. than they were. Yeah, at least 10, 15 years ago. I mean, when I started, you, you were, yeah, animated, 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 right? Then they produced animation and yeah. they threw it to the programmers, and implemented it. And mm -hmm. yeah. nowadays, the, anima the animators, at least game animators, they can integrate their own stuff and build their own state machine and their own logic. Um, what, what was the reason for that change? Was it a lot of feedback from like animators saying this is like, you know, tricky, annoying, or whatever? It's frustrating. It came from code, to be honest. Like, code is. You know they're really experienced and knowledgeable around code mm. doesn't mean they're not visual or creative or anything like that mm -hmm. but i remember like going there and just asking can you change the blend to point two yeah. 
can you change it back to point one? (laughs) This is not a good use of my degree right now, you know. So I'm sure it came from that. And then once the more power was in the hands of animators, that opened a whole new realm of creativity. I guess it's all like a text-based thing. You could go in and change then XML values and stuff. But then you become this uh, node-based system instead. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's just evolution, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it makes a huge difference, I guess, uh, for how you, I mean, how you, the gameplay animators these days are not only animators, they're all, almost like, not programmers, but or they have to understand the logic, yeah. they, they have to be uh, understanding the game design as well and understand what is fun, what works, and why mm-hmm. does it work, and how do I make it work, and how do I make it uh, responsive, and so on, because that's, a lot of that are in the hands of the animators as well. And, and yeah, and the engineering part, which is not only how do you produce that experience, but how do you then, when someone asks you to change something, how do you then make optimal systems that you can iterate freely mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So I do think the engineering is like I know you touched on like software and stuff like that, but they just they constantly coming yeah. out, and everybody works on software. But I think that's been the biggest change in an animator's life now, the gameplay. Um, and I think and you. You're a perfect case in point, Martin. And so, like, how much that once you have that engineering knowledge, how much that can feed into the creativity of the mm. features that you produce, you know, I think is is huge. You mm. know, and people are still working on it now. Um, and that's that's the great thing about game development, isn't it? It's not just like this is how you build a house and then you do it for three hundred years or anything. <laughs> well, that's a new brick type or tile type, but we we are constantly involving it. Um, and people coming up with new solutions all the time yeah i think that's really exciting yeah yeah the the evolution of giving the tools to the people creating the animations mm-hmm. uh is it's been a big change i think because like you're not giving plans to someone else you're 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 in charge of mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. it too and the ease of use with the nodes and because it's a visual representation of programming and logic and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in a way that a non-programmer can actually do because it's visualization. Yeah. So um, giving them that power, giving animators that power, I think it's been great. That as well as kind of a side note, the free software that we have now, because you know, I couldn't afford soft image back in the days to animate and like now engines are free to use, you know, uh, the software, animation software that's free to use. So people are learning on their own. Yeah. So for us as directors and hiring, you know, it's that is a huge change to have people that know the craft already because yeah. of all this free software. Whereas back in the day, they, we we didn't have that. You know, Ooh. we had to train like on site on the job, but people yeah. arriving with that mm-hmm. because great. of the the software and the the openness of the open source yeah. uh, stuff. So I guess another thing could be. Um... Like a video-based motion capture that's mm. becoming bigger and bigger thing and better and better as well. Yeah. So that like anyone could do like simple motion capture stuff in their apartment. Yeah. With their iPhone. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it is it getting to that point where you yeah. can? It is. It is. It's it is. It is. capture and stuff like that. There. Yeah. There's even there's some people doing stuff for fingers like that mm. as well, mm. which is that's crazy. And the fidelity is, is actually good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tech has been around for some time, but now the fidelity is good enough to actually mm. use it. 
Well, this is interesting to hear that you say evolution, you know, it evolves. Where's it going to go? Um, you know, what what do you think in, in terms of the future? I know everybody talks a lot about AI as well, but um, from your sort of expertise, what do you think is next for animation, really? How far ahead are we thinking? Tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> <Model>? then... <laughs> my, my word actually is not about, I mean, it's slightly related to the tech, but what you also said with the education, mm. I think, the education, the fact that people have access to it often before they even go to do a course, they're practiced. It's not the first time they've they've seen it, it means that they are at a much higher standard. The mm -hmm. fact that everybody can access now uh, methods of what is still quite expensive motion capture and stuff to do, and they've got home remedies. I think actually that evolution that it is not necessarily the tech is feeding into that, so that actually we're going to get people who are going to be great mm. even at 15 16 they're going to be able to do an mm. awful lot without have even gone for a degree course or anything like that so i think that will push it That's and that that will push the the creativity and and therefore also what we manage to achieve you know because mm. certainly when i started yeah. when i started the industry my first job was just like learn 3ds max yeah <laughs> like, okay <laughs> you know? i was like light wave yeah was. light wave a book like this <laughs> yeah free books <laughs> but yeah I, I think that accessibility will enhance stuff and as he said maybe there'll be some bright young things who find even more ingenious ways to use ai and stuff like that maybe yeah i guess educating uh, us old folks later <laughs> i guess ai will make it go faster and more, you know make iterations faster and stuff like that i think that's going to be a thing definitely uh, as a as a tool, yeah, yeah, I think to be able to create more in less time, yeah, we're going to ultimately get more, potentially more content, good and bad. Mm. But um, having that kind of AI beside you, yeah, I'll say that you can, you're working with it to create something that that you want, your vision, mm. and on a large scale, I think some people are going to invent some amazing stuff. And there's creativity out there that we wouldn't see back in our day yeah. until university or college, if you're given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now it's like you, you're connected to the internet, like they they have that control. They can let leash their creativity. And uh, one story I heard recently was the Spider-Man yeah. into the Spider-Verse uh, movie, where uh, this person did a a Lego version of the trailer. And the creators saw it and they're like, this is amazing. This like this professional animator created this uh, version in Lego in 3D. Mm. Uh, we need to hire this person. And they found out it was like a 12 year old kid doing it in his spare time after mm. school. And they were like mind blown and my mind was blown. Yeah. So like that goes to show us a perfect example of yeah, yeah. this kid who has a huge passion for it had access to the tools online to mm -hmm. create this such a good quality that the creators were like we want this person on the team and yeah. they didn't make it to the, the movie as well yeah yeah, yeah the, the section was made by him yeah, yeah it's incredible yeah so more of that is yeah. is a good thing what about any concerns around anything like Nah. In the future, no, nah, nah. Oh, nah. Oh, good. Next question. <laughs> 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 We've all seen it. <laughs> we know how this ends. No, I mean, my my hope is that it takes outside of any creative thing that it takes away uh, the burden of a lot of the rubbish jobs that people 
have to do yeah. in animation, you know, retargeting cleanup or anything like that. Um, and if it does that, then it provides more space and time for the person, the animator, to be creative rather than doing the the donkey work. And they mm -hmm. kind of reminded, like back, you know, back in the day with Disney and 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 uh, traditional animation. And you'd have like you know your your key framers, your your senior animators, and they'd come in and do like I do the key pose of that, that, and that. Right team, fill the rest in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is it's good. You know, the, the the core key poses. It was needed. The pacing was needed, and and those huge animation houses with just loads of people doing all the in betweens of that art. And if if we get to a point where AI can can be that workforce, then I think everybody will appreciate it. Yeah, there's there's technology is not going to stop. Yeah. Just we just adapt to it basically. Yeah. So, and you know, when 3D came in, they were like, oh, there's not going to be any 2D anymore. No, it still exists, mm -hmm. you know. And then there's different medium like VR and AR, you know, that's different medium, yeah. but still animation, you know. So, yes, it's going to be a tool if we work alongside it to, to help the process and ultimately hopefully get higher quality in a shorter amount of time. And, you know, it's a, it can be a valuable tool if it's mm -hmm. used well. I mean, just looking to, up to now, right? The tools have become better and better, yeah. but the teams are growing still, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more content. It's more content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, better true. tools. Uh, so yeah. So I don't think I don't think AI is gonna like remove any jobs. Um, to be honest, not the nearest uh, two weeks at least. Yeah. <laughs> not before we retire. Can't be us as robots. Yeah. Oh, Something good. else uh, I wanted to talk around was a bit around influence and um, is there any, obviously, crafts like animation and VFX mm -hmm. can cross over a lot into movies and TV and games and the, and the industry there. Uh, are there any films or other forms of media that have particularly influenced the way you've approached animation in games? Everything. No, but that's, that's really hard for me. It's, it's everything. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say it's one one thing at all. I think every artist or any creative person will take inspiration from everything around them. There's music or, you know, mm -hmm. even if it's a non-visual form and stuff. Actually, music was definitely the one. I, I'm sure you all did this back in the day doing your show reels before I realised that people very rarely listen to the <laughs> show reel, spending ages editing it like it was a pop promo. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah, and then I'm going to cut to this. <laughs> So you know, you yeah. could say even even that you know, pop promos and 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 culture would have been mm -hmm. changing how how I produce my portfolio in some <laughs> yeah. stupid way. But yeah, it's nice, it's enjoyable, you know. It's but yeah, everything yeah. would be my answer as well. It's yeah. like how you're sitting right now. We could use that in the game. Like, oh, that's that's an interesting pose he had. You know, he was engaged with what I was saying, and then whether I subconsciously take it or consciously take that when I'm on set. A mocap, yeah. I might do that, mm. you know. Yeah. Ooh. So and like the, the way people are talking to each other, uh, movies poses from movie posters. Like, well, that's a really interesting pose that they picked. Mm. That yeah. one frame, maybe that inspires something in our game. You know, it's 
it does come from everywhere. And that's I kind of always way working on posters, always mm. by inspiration, always internet, internet, find pictures and images. You have some idea, mm. looks for images and reference, mm. and you start working from there. So it's yeah, it's from yeah, again, I can also yeah. echo what you've been saying, it's from everywhere. Are you watching people though? They, yeah, you that, kind of said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a weird thing animators do. Like, you know, I'll be walking behind someone and I'll be like, that's a, that's a weird. I'm not like checking them out. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird. Oh look, look at the way their foot is slightly yeah, rotated in. Too. Yeah. But it, that's the point. <laughs> you should put it away. Like oh, okay, yeah. finding a good walk cycle. That's super hard. Actually. Still not got it yet. No, yeah. I've been looking for like twenty years. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually I guess that comes back to what we spoke about in the beginning, which was the reference. Mm. It's key. It's communication. So. You know, we're pulling from movies and TV shows and stuff to get that reference. That's inspiration for the game. So, you know, and that's pulled from from everywhere. Yeah. Come full circle. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got um, loads of discussion in there and solving, you know, very interesting. I, I'm going to hand over to you okay. to go with the last question, which I, I know you're very keen on asking. So, uh, what was it again? Oh, yeah. Okay, people, here it is. Yeah. It was, uh, can you tell me about your favorite or favorite moment in the game and why? That's a very good question, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to think about this. I have no idea. Okay. I, 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 almost memorable or both. Yeah, right? I have memorable. It, it, yeah. it can be for any reason whatsoever. It could be like, oh, that was awesome animation. Yeah. But there are like, some credits. There are a few yeah. games that stuck in my head, right? I some reason, the first Far Cry game was like a cannibal open world game. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was the sequence there where you were running in the jungle and got shot at. And this first time I had like immersive feeling when I it felt like you were running around in Vietnam. <laughs> and it felt so immersive. Yeah. I, it was an open world game. I could go anywhere I wanted. The, the first game, I think, I think it was like kind of the first open world game that actually looked decent. It was amazing, it, the distance yeah. and stuff like that. It was incredible. So I remember that game. Yeah. And I remember the opening of, uh, I guess, Uncharted 2, when he's sitting in mm. that uh, train wreck thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th that entire game was like, like yeah. yeah. Well, get rid of moments. Yeah. yeah. But it was maybe the first really cinematic game I played in that. Okay. And they, they, uh, that I remember as a really cinematic type of game. I really like that. Uh, and for some reason, I remember Bankish. You remember that game? Yeah, yeah. Was, was it like the steampunk one? Yeah, yeah. I, I, for some reason, that stuck to me, me as well. You know, why I play it, but it's still in the back of my head. It's beautiful art, but I kind of like a steampunk thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, although I've never done anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, of course, this has been a lot of games. I, no, 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 no. Yeah. I was just curious. I give you like right to give you context. Because because it's quite like related to you going cinematic. Do you know what? The first game I played where I was like, wow, that's cinematic. Medal of Honor. I like this one. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what I was doing the beach and so, and I still remember this. I was in the industry. I was, yeah. I was doing it at the time. And I remember everyone gathering around me. I was just like, wow, it's like Saving Private Ryan. This is yeah. like so photorealistic and da, 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 da. Anyway, it's like amazing, amazing gameplay experience. And I kept that with me. And then I kind of went back to it, I think three or four years <laughs> yeah. later. I was like, yeah, let's have a look at this video. And oh my God, did it date. It did not age well <laughs> at all. And that was like, for me, it's one of those, that's why that's an experience for me because I enjoyed it. But I also realized how ephemera 
everything it is yeah. that we're doing yeah? yeah like it doesn't matter how cool you think the graphics are of this x y and z you come back to it in a few years time and you'll be like that looks awful yeah you know because it's it's at that moment in time like you said yeah it's amazing but it gives it gave me encouragement that i never had to worry about being perfect you're never going to reach perfection yeah, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a moment in time you're going to try your best and you know what you come back to this later and man that is so cool when play games as a kid you know yeah everything looked like cartoon it was amazing you know this is like just a cartoon yeah you yeah, have watched it oh like, yeah they, I, I still remember but yes later <laughs> but for me like uh, flashback uh yeah that got me in there which is definitely that, for me, I was well, like, yeah jeez I've never seen anything like it. The way you did the roll and the pull out yeah. the gun. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Related to this, so this is like a complete slapdown of what I've just said. <laughs> uh, a game that does hold up really well is, do you remember there was, um, so we were developing for PS2 at the time and every, all the coders like, you can't, you just can't get that many particles on. You just, <laughs> the machine won't do it, man. <laughs> you know, like this. And I remember they, the company, I can't remember the name of it, they did Burnout. And they released a game called Black. And it was the most simple game. You just like, here's an arena and everything I shoot will be destroyed and, and particles will come out and everything like that. And I look, you look at that now and you look at it on YouTube and you'd be like, actually, I'm still pretty good. Really? And I just remember at the time, because again, that was another one I took into my career is that whenever you think something's impossible and it can't be done, yeah. there's someone who's going to go out there and do it. Yeah. And they did it and it, and, and it does, I mean, to me it ages fairly well for how old it is yeah but i just remember at the time like everybody went from complaining like no way this is impossible to like all right they did it right back to the way <laughs> you know so just remember there's a there was an example this is more of how they designed the game it was mass effect 2 uh -huh. and i was a big fan of the games and i played through the first one i was on the second one and i met a character in it from the first one and they mentioned something that happened that I chose to happen in the first one. So it wasn't like everyone, everyone experiences this part of uh, Mass Effect 1. Uh -huh. It was a choice, and I, I chose that. And they referenced that choice, and I'm like, whoa. whoa that was that cool. <laughs> so, so for me, that was the first moment like they really used all the choices and data that you uh, yeah. did in the first one. That was, that was the cool. worst thing happened to me when I was playing Mass Effect 3, I think it was. My PlayStation died. Oh. And I played, I, I, I <laughs> from the first game, you had, oh, and I had, I had to restart the game where it was. Because <laughs> then, then you have to like make some choices in the beginning of the yeah, game instead. Exactly. And it wasn't it, at all what I have experienced. <laughs> it's like all these boxes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. To bring the conversation down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Uh, shows my ages again. Uh, International karate. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember so, yeah. that's bits. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And yeah. there was you pressed a button and your trousers fell down. Yeah, yeah. it's like what someone thought of that and put it in the game. Yeah. Was, <laughs> it, was to it, me that was mind blowing. Yeah. What was the was it barbarian? Yeah, the, like I remember playing that on Spectrum where you had like nine colors. <laughs> Something like that. And then the guy, the goblin comes in when you behead him, and the goblin comes yeah. in and kills him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was it? Was it GTA? The first one? Yeah. Um, At the top, top down. down, yeah. Down, yeah. Like two buttons. Micro did fart and burp. <laughs> <laughs> There's two buttons on the keyboard. What did fart, what did burp? I think it was GTA. 
And he goes, and that's why you're in the industry. Yeah, it's Dundee. Yeah. Dundee again. Right, well, that's uh, that's everything. Thank you very much. It's been a really good discussion. So thank you, Zolt Martin. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.